Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Being in the mission field does have its challenges, but there is no obstacle that God cannot handle. He promised to always provide and care for us, no matter where we are. In this episode, Jeff Bishop will share with us a time when things got really hard for him and his family. There was a drought at that time where it hasn't rained for over six months. The people struggled to grow food without any water. Not only did the Gogodala people struggle, but also the whole of Guinea. Finding food became more and more difficult. But no matter what the circumstances was, Jeff and his family did not lose faith. They prayed and asked God for help, and God heard their prayers. This episode is entitled, No Food. Here is his story. Hello, this is Jeff Bishop. We're the family that started the Gogodala Mission Project in New Guinea back in 1997. So when we arrived in Balimo, we were living there in a house and someone had decided that they wanted us to move to Kotali village. One day, I wanted to travel over there and just meet with some of my friends. Raymond was one of them. And so I traveled down the river. It takes an hour and 30 minutes to travel down the Aramea River from Balimo to Kotali village. So anyway, I told my wife and our two daughters, I said, I'm going to go over there and meet with the people in Kotali village. And I will be there for two days, and then I'll come back. And so I just gave her some money to buy some food, and then I left. Then when I arrived there in Kotali village, something happened. All of a sudden, I found out that Tomas, the one who was building our new house, it was a bush house. They were just building it from whatever trees were out in the woods. Because he was the one building that new house, he needed to go get some trees just to make some wood that he could use to build it. And so then he just told a couple other people, I think he told Raymond, and I think he told Tomas, or Tomas told um, Wolfie also, that he wanted them to go with him and go get those trees and that wood that we needed to get to build that house. Well, when I heard that, I thought, oh, that would be great. I would like to go with them and see how they do that. How do they build houses here in Kotali village? So I just told Raymond, I said, oh, yes, can I go with you? And he said, yeah, you can go with us out there. And then for some reason, Tomas canceled his trip to go out and get the wood. And because he canceled it, I said, okay, well, I'll go back to Balimo. But then a couple hours later, Tomas changed his mind and said he was going to go back again. And I thought, well, well, if he's going back again, then I'm going to go with him. And then I said, yes, I'm going to go now with you guys. But then what we found out was Tomas was worried that I was going with them. He thought that something would happen to me if I was traveling out there through the creeks and up and down and then out there to get the wood. He was just afraid that something might hurt me. And that's why he had canceled it because he saw then I could go back to Balimo. But then Raymond did convince him that no, 
Jeff would be just fine to go with us. And I had already built our own house in America before we left and traveled to New Guinea. So that's why I wanted to go see what he did there. So anyway, they said, yes, we could go. So then I decided to go. Well, after we traveled out there, we just found the trees and they showed me how they would cut them down and how they would make them so that they could put them around the house and everything. But because I did travel with him, I was actually not going back to Balimo when I told my wife and my daughters that I was. It was going to take me two more days to go back. So now I was going to be in Kotala village for four days, not just two days. But then something happened. Wednesday morning, my wife already had used all of the money to buy food, and they didn't have anything to eat. They had no food, and so she did not know what to do. So that morning, they decided that what they would do is just pray and ask God to help them find some food. Then what happened was some woman showed up. Her name was Alice. She just knocked on their door, and she gave them a bag that had some stuff in it. Now, one of the things that Alice said to my wife was, do you like prunes? Well, my wife said, yeah, I like prunes. And she's, okay, well, there's some prunes in here too. And so she gave her the bag, and then she just took it and put it in the kitchen. Because it was Wednesday, they were very close to going right down there in Balimo to a house where we had two friends, two families, and those two families were Seventh-day Adventists. And so those two families and our family would meet every Sabbath at that one person's house. Grace, was it was her house, and then her husband. And we would just meet with them even on Wednesday for prayer meeting in the evening. So because it was almost time for that, my wife and our two daughters, they walked down to the house, Grace's house. They had their prayer meeting. And then after it was done, because it was dark, Grace and her husband told my wife, Bobby, we're going to walk home with you just to keep you protected because it's after dark. So then they started walking back to our house. And when they arrived, my two daughters, they just, because they were hungry, they walked back into the kitchen to see what food had been given to them. And for some reason, the bag was moving. And they were just surprised. They were shocked. They just ran out of the kitchen and just told my wife and Grace, that bag is moving. And so then my wife and Grace walked in the kitchen, opened up the bag, and what was in the bag wasn't prunes. It was prawns. And for some reason, because Alice didn't speak English perfectly, Bobby just misunderstood what she said. Well, prawns are not something we can eat. That's a little animal that that a Seventh-day Adventist cannot eat. And so she just, then Grace told her, well, you'll probably have to tell Alice, no, you can't eat that meat. But anyway, she did have some other stuff in there that they could eat. But the most interesting thing was the other thing that she put in that bag was 20 kina. Now, kina in New Guinea is what we would call dollars. So they put in $20 bill, a 20 kina bill in that bag for her 
to be able to buy food. And so she then went the next morning after they ate what she brought that night and was able to go and get some more food and actually survived that extra two days that I had then decided to stay in Kotali village because of the house that was being built. People in New Guinea, they eat a lot of stuff that they just grow in their gardens. They actually make sago all the time. That is their number one food that they eat is sago. That's a big tree that you just cut it down and you just create it and put it in some water. And it just, I don't know, I never did it because men were not allowed to make sago in Kotali village. Only women could do it. So I never did it, but um, that's just what they would eat. But what was happening is when we first arrived in New Guinea and we showed up there in Balimo, it had not rained for six months before we showed up. There was no rain there. They were having a hard time in their gardens. They were having a hard time growing things. So even the Gogodala people were having a hard time finding food to eat. And what happened was when we arrived, now we were there for another five months because we had shown up. Well, we showed up in July, but in November, they wanted us to um, come and join them when the school was going to graduate the kids there in November because over there in New Guinea, that's the opposite side of the world and they're on the south side. So for them, summer there is in December and winter is in July. So that's why their school just, you know, has the three months off in November, December, and January. But what was happening was everybody was running out of food, even in all of New Guinea, there towards November. And one day, because Roy Biama was the person who did so much stuff for me, and he's the one that owned the grocery store, I went down to see him to get some rice. And when I went there, they did not have anything there. There was no rice. And because Roy was one of my friends, I just went back behind the grocery store there, back where they would, you know, keep everything, the warehouse there, just to ask them, well, how could I get some rice? When, when are we going to be able to get some? Roy wasn't back there, but two of his employees were. And so then I talked to that one employee and I asked him about that. And he just said, no, we don't have any rice at all. We are completely out of everything. And the reason they were is because it had not rained. The river had gone down 25 feet. And because it dropped so far, nothing could be traveled there out in the ocean for them to get any food to share with anybody or for anyone to be able to eat what they could buy. And they weren't being able to get anything in their gardens because there was no rain. But while I was talking to that one employee, someone else heard me ask the question, said, well, I do have one bag of rice. It was a 20 pound bag. He says, I do have one bag, but for some reason the, the, the bag got destroyed and so it's kind of open and that's why we couldn't sell it. But you can have that one. And I said, okay, great, thank you. And then I asked him how much he wanted for it. And he says, oh, no, you don't have to pay us anything. That's not one we can sell. So he just gave me the bag. It was 20 pounds. And so I just took it out, started walking down the 
street there in Bollymore back to our house. And as I was walking, some guy showed up and said, how'd you get that rice? So I just told him what happened and why I got that bag. He said, can I have some? And I said, well, yeah, you can have some. So I gave him some. And then another guy came up and asked the same thing. So I gave him some. And two more men showed up and asked me for some rice because nobody was able to eat. They didn't have food. It was just terrible. And so finally, when I showed back up at our house, at least I had half of it. But because our family would travel to, to Port Moresby, the capital, we would buy our food there. And so we always had food. But now I learned that people there, even in the village, did not have food. Now, because they're having the education uh, graduation, they asked me if I would have the prayer. I don't know why they did that, but so when we got to the graduation and then they said, okay, it's time for you to have our prayer. So I walked up and then I started praying for for the students and for the parents, for the teachers. And then all of a sudden, I just wondered, should I pray about the rain? That's got nothing to do with the school, but I decided, yes, I have to. And so then I said, yes, Lord, please send us some rain so everyone can have something to eat. The very next day, it finally started raining. It had not rained for about 11 months, but then it started raining again, and then people were then able to start growing things in their garden and eventually the sago trees started growing again and God fixed not just our family but the whole village in Balimo and all around the Aramea River. Thank you for listening to Frontier Mission Journal. No one knows what the future holds but one thing we do know is that no matter how hard it gets God has promised to never leave or forsake us, just like he did with Jeff and his family and many other missionaries in the mission field. If you would like to know more about Adventist Frontier Mission, then please visit our website at www.afmonline.org.